My soul will be going, I don't fucking exist. <laughs> Your soul will be going, I hear myself, I hear myself. I'm glad he swore before me because I swear a lot. And he kind of broke the ice on that. Um, I had a father that spent 30 years shipping and receiving. He didn't just have trucker language, he had the distilled contents of every trucker ever. Uh, I once had a boss during a casual conversation listen in and go, I talked to my dad like that, he kicked the shit out of me. I'm like, that was us saying hi, what's going on? <laughs> All right. I think I am very loud. Um, as I said, those books are free. The Ryan Kinney collection's in the front. I did not do everything in all those, um, just some of them. I'm just in all those. Also, I make them, so I get to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we're taking donations for books for National Poetry Month. So if you have any you want to get rid of, we're going to put them in libraries. We, we had 150 last year and went to six libraries. All right, so this is the first adult thing I ever wrote. It's called The Blue Collar Lament. I spend most of my week in a semi-conscious trance, watching multi-million dollar machines work. They are more alive than I am. Monday at 3 p.m. I click off my brain, switch on automatic, and begin the countdown. T-minus 40 hours. Each minute the text by in the dull monotony slowly steals my sanity, bit by bit. The vampire conglomerate that signs my check robs me of my youth, intelligence, and vitality, until I'm just another mindless automaton. These walls are masters of time. Each minute closer to Friday gets slower and slower, until on Friday they seem to tick backwards. Then, on Monday, the entirety of the previous week repeats. Each day blurs into the other, making them indistinguishable. The dictator they put in charge of the asylum barks out commands on cue, just to remind everyone that they own you. All the while, he never realizes that he's just another puppet dancing for them, only his strings are shorter. When they inevitably cut them, he has further to fall. I often welcome sleepwalking through most of my week. In the few instances the machines malfunction, I curse being awakened. At least, as a zombie, I don't feel my mind rotting. I live on the weekends. I shed the identity the uniform has forced upon me, and my true self emerges. On the weekends, I love life. I achieve the goals I value, not the hazy paths set before me by the corporation that owns my soul. For two days, the dungeon master gives me a reprieve from my incarceration. Upon clocking out each Friday, I suddenly feel rejuvenated, while Sunday night, I begin dreading the impending coma. The desperation for dollars are the shackles that keep me here. I am only truly living two days a week and dying the other five. I've made a pact with the devil, five-sevenths of my life for a weekly pittance. Until the decay of my body matches that of my brain, I return weekly to mind-numbing tedium, the memory of my weekend existence fading into the background. So that was written in 2008 while I was working. <laughs> but I edited and organized it into sensibility on a weekend. <laughs> I also found it at once at that job. I did not get fired for that. I got fired for another reason. Why <laughs> did it in my mouth? All right. <laughs> so uh, we make these new books all the time. I'm going to be reading from a bunch of them. Uh, but we have a Facebook page. If you go there, you get to see when all the ones just come out. And uh, there will be a lot of new ones very recently. Very soon? One of those. Yeah, you get what I mean. All right, this is the moment. The Japanese girl sits quietly on the pier, gazing out over the water. Her silence and knowing glance says more than either of our languages could ever comprehend. She is beautiful in her hopelessness. 
and I dumbstruck in awe of a peace that I will never know. She sits behind me squawking with an adolescent banter that must seem dire. Her intensity of voice speaks the same thing I had secretly wished for years, but been too afraid to say. Please pay attention to me. Speak I did for the very first time. The awkward message, this awkward message of youthful adoration is not exactly communicated articulately. Her only response is, God, I hate you. Please shut up. If I am already taking risks with my life, then I will not be silenced. For once, I will not back down. You love me. You just don't know it yet. We are inexplicably sat on the very edge of the river, the smell of Texas barbecue intensifying our hunger. Half of our small group is exhausted proving their technical prowess. When I declare that this most manly of feasts must be a competition to prove our testosterone, why simply dine in San Antonio when you can challenge your friends to a banquet of sauce-laden meats? I declare that he who finishes least or last must surrender his manhood. The balls are on the table tonight. I awoke early this morning and slipped quietly out of my bunk. My compatriots were still sleeping off a hangover. I pushed open the door hundreds of years my senior and witnessed the burgundy sunset of French wine country and think, right now, I could be mindlessly staring at rolling machinery. I place another valve on the pump and whirr, hypnotically tighten it down. The sound has become a meditation now. The zen is broken when my radio squeals. The producer has just jumped on the air. The World Trade Center is on fire. I place my wrench slowly down on the table, confused. We all do. We all are. In a half an hour, we'll be sitting around the table, listening to Howard Stern speculate on a horror. We are blinded to the true terror, what this really means, until hours later. Snow continues to flood my windshield as I wind precariously around the bespeckled Alleghenies. The city below, shrouded in the early winter night, looks as though the heavens have finally released the weight of the stars to the ground. As I marvel at this, a twinge of fear arises. I may not find shelter tonight. Nonetheless, the road levels out and an exit is offered as salvation. In the midst of planned itineraries, sightseeing, and tourist attractions, I had lost track of time. I am resigned to sleep the night in a Walmart parking lot. When I pull off the exit, however, I am pleased to see the welcoming glow of a mall. There, I discover an establishment long since lost to the ether of my youth. As I sit there, eating the 10,000 calorie hot dog, I ponder, this is what life was like when it was simpler, when I thought I knew what it was all about, before I was proven horribly wrong. In the midst of the audacious and elaborate splendor of Florence, I see a sight so simple and yet so much more a monument to man's unfathomable capacity for love and compassion. A rose, dead, brown and dead, is stuck in a chain-link fence. Attached to it is a small handwritten note that reads, Kiss her now. I am in her arms, having been told no, and resigned to rejection so many times. So many times I have told myself that this would never happen. As my lips touch hers, I laugh inside my head. Is this really happening? This is really happening. I hold my breath. I can see him through the window, as I have seen him through the electronic window of my TV for years. As I get closer, this feels less and less real. This is my hero, my god. He has accomplished amazing things and pushed the limits of the human body. Suddenly, I am in front of him. He looks up and smiles as he says hello. All the nervousness, the anxiety disappears when I realize that my God is a man, a man like me. I am terrified. Before me is a discolored, screaming, clawing, misshapen creature. My son takes his first breaths of real air. 
We are all exhausted. His mother looks at me with a look that practically screams, We did it. But I plead, We're not done doing it yet, are we? He gurgle, his gurgles turn into cries, and I know. I know that this, this is the moment that matters more than any in my life. I will never have a single instant matter any more than this ever will. And while I stare into his bed, I hope he proves me wrong. That one was fun. Every single thing in that is real. That all happened. Oh, no. From my uh, travel journals and other various life events. Now this one's a complete lie, mostly. <laughs> this is called Relics. When I pull up in the Battle Scar truck, that old song he's playing on the radio, whose lyrics I misheard and felt, who did that damn song anyways? Nonetheless, of what I do hear through the cracks and pops, it definitely suits this house. It is an old, run-down bi-level with a winding porch and more windows than walls. The window, but the windows are heavily tinted and the shades are all drawn. The windows do not light, let, let light into this house, but rather steal it, consume it into the darkness, never to be seen again. How many neighborhood rumors revolved around this home? For how long has it been whispered that this is that haunted house? Or this is where that one creepy guy did that one horrific thing? Or even that series of horrific things? Did the boogeyman originate here, inside the darkness of that house, stealing the sunshine from precocious little boys and girls, finally freed from the confines of scholastic imprisonment, until eventually their days of play started getting shorter, and they returned to their nine months of confinement, with no one to blame but the invisible tenant of an ever-decaying, but seemingly indestructible and insurmountable home? I imagine a stone in my hand, to be thrown into this house of glass, I picture it not breaking the glass so much as piercing a pool of darkness that ripples across the entire house, melting each window and finally freeing everyone's abducted childhoods. I see the sunlight exploding from the foundation, the cracked brown leaves in every dead, broken tree suddenly springing to life and filling it with green. Years of devoured frisbees, kites, and baseballs launching into the air from every crevice. And then, I think, maybe appearances can be deceiving. Maybe this house is not so much the spooky old ruin, but rather a cracked and worn old photo album, housing years of relics of lives spent well and with love, love that our generation could not possibly fathom, devoid of the electronic means of expressing and spreading it. How many boys turned men turned soldiers here? How many mothers turned grandmothers turned cherished memories? How many years were cried over as crepe denies and first loves, or spent on lovers' lanes, backyard barbecues, and drunken sibling brawls? Is that old tire finally getting its deserved rest from someone's swing? Or off the wheels of a well-loved ancestor to my vehicle? Whose lies and legends were parked in this dusty driveway? Whose footprints am I standing in right now? Maybe those dark windows never really robbed the light, but rather were meant to hold it in for the love growing inside, so that anyone within would always feel its warmth and brightness. And any time someone left that house, they returned it, that light to the world in kind, richer and brighter than it ever would have been had it not spent its time within those walls. Who are you, O house of stolen light? What secrets do you hold? How many childhoods were used up here, either stolen or spent fully? Who's, what lives have you had? What adventures can you tell me? I smile. This is going to be fun as I kick in the front door. <laughs> All right. This is my big book. This is the only thing I actually sell. Um, the rest are free. And this is from our Anonymous America book, full of all kinds of uh, revolutionary thoughts. 
our friend Josh Romig over there is one of said people. Also, the book you heard him read from earlier is in that box too. It's called Octothorpe. All right, this is Half-Life. Welcome to the digital age, where man's best friend is internet porn and a woman's only friend is her vibrator. We've created a heartbeat for an electronic pulse, lips and bleeds in an imagined humanity, forgetting that living means leaving the house and that sandals and boxer shorts are not formal wear. We live in the information age. Full disclosure is no longer optional. We are sharing information. We are contributing to the death of the self. Or are we finally mastering intelligence? There is an epidemic of inaction. Entropy, progress, the Mobius sloth slides down into its own gluttony. And I just want to have sex with someone who is still alive. Have you seen the latest episode of Walking Dead or Breaking Bad? Have you looked in the mirror? Reality shows? Who's reality? We are social creatures, and social control is how you keep the pigs in their pen until it's time to offer us up as a sacrifice at the altar of decadence. We willingly give them our intelligence, our spirit, for another video game, another TV show that promises a better reality. See it all in HD while we dubstep to our doom up Jacob's ladder, up Jacob's ladder built out of the 15-minute profits. Sell me another artificially derived addiction, masquerading as sustenance, trading them like baseball cards. Tell me how much I need it. Need you? Preach it with the fear of the unorthodox on Fox News while everyone is getting high on your life. Tell evangelist CEOs, sell us the next salvation. The anarchists are screaming, legalize it, and the stoners aren't helping. The half-life of modernization guarantees that if enough of our individuality decays, there ceases to be anything worth calling human. But you have you seen Breaking Bad though? It's so good. Yeah, I've seen all. I've seen all of it. Walking Dead, yeah, it's getting terrible. There's a such thing as a point of diminishing returns. Ah, that let give you more of my crap. All right. So this is from my suicidal poems, and I'm now realizing that only one of these in here is an actual poem. The rest are stories, uh, probes, I guess. This one requires a mild bit of performance. This is Identity Crisis, also known as An Argument with Myself. I can't do this anymore. I'm manic with kleptomania issues. At 31, my body's beginning to betray my spirit. Age is catching up with me with a vengeance. I have a broken spine, a bum knee, carpal tunnel, and significant bone loss in my jaw. And you please shut the fuck up. You are a whiny little bitch. Your back may be broken, but you're not spineless. I've seen you stand straight and tall, even when it hurt. Nothing has ever stopped you from moving. A bad knee isn't either. Bone loss in your jaw, that won't stop you from saying your piece. Who are you? I am that cocky, super ego phallus replacement you drag around six inches from the ground. <laughs> I know you. You're that impulsiveness that gets me in trouble. The one that tells me to just do it, stop thinking. The one that smashes my intuition and forethought like a raging hulk. You are the manic hammer. I don't like you very much. Ha, you love me. You just don't know it yet. You know, I hurt the ones I love. I have more scars than virgin skin. Nothing of me is untainted anymore. I'm all alone. You are not alone. You are swimming in a sea of people, but not a drop to drink. No one has every, everything you need. Drink a pieces of everyone, and you will have more than you ever need. I've lost so much, so many people. Two hearts. One is gone forever. The other, I feel her slipping away. Yeah, you held them both for a while. It's like the gods trying to hold the stars. Sometimes even they get burned. Besides, you don't know the first for a long time. Even if she wanted it back, the other one is still playing tug-of-war with you. You just have to pull harder. I've been used up, beaten, and fucked over pretty hard. 
Remember those times you were fucked hard? Most of the time you loved it. I don't know who I am anymore, who I'm supposed to be. I am stuck, stopped, stagnant. You are Ryan. It used to mean something in this damn town. I'm the one that's kept you moving, kept you alive. I've kept you from pulling the trigger and digging in the knife. When Lisa left you in pieces, I put you back together. But you hurt me as much as you helped me. And you are as pathetic as you are courageous. You are stronger than you think. I should know. I'm you. I have credit card debt greater than the value of both my cars because I'm addicted to stuff. Stuff stays. People leave. I hate the tedium of work, the can't survive in this capitalist conglomerate without it. You work to get yourself to a better place. You'll come back as many times as it takes. You're not the only one dreaming of getting out of, getting out of there. Just the only one with an escape plan. I cut my arms. <laughs> I like scratches because I'm too chicken shit to go any deeper. Just to get attention, hoping someone would notice and ask about my arms. No one did. Someone did, but she is just as broken as you and has no idea where to put your pieces or even to ask where they go. Sometimes, I just want to die. Really? Death? That bastard has been on your heels since the day your mom popped you out. Are you really going to let him win that easily? Yeah. He'll catch you eventually. She'll give him the run of your life. <laughs> My family. Jesus, they suck. One big curse of genetic white trash pretending to be middle class. Thanks, Mom, for teaching me to steal. Thanks, Dad, for giving up on yourself. Thanks, Sean. Wait, who the fuck are you anyways? Thanks for giving <laughs> me no foundation for a family I can belong to, love, or even care about. Yeah, your family sucks. You got me there. But they don't define you. You do. Your mom taught you crime, but you learned how to survive on your own. Your dad gave up on himself, but you learned to never give up. Your brother? Well, he's a you you could be if you keep up all this bitching, whining, and self-pity. And don't lie to yourself. You care about them, even when they don't. They are another piece of you. It does not matter if you like them. There is some home in all that broken mess. No matter how bad you fuck up, they will never judge you. They've done worse. As a family you can belong to, love, and care about, you have a son. I have no idea what to do with a kid. I'm still a kid, aren't I? Nope. You age, whether you like it or not. I don't want to grow up. You don't have to. Not entirely. But you do have to be a man. How? You'll figure it out the same way you always do. Trial and error. I've been fighting this for so long, alone. Can't do this anymore. I have nothing left to fight with. You have them. You are not alone anymore. Ask them for help. You're going to have to trust. I don't know if I can do that. I've never done that. I don't even trust you, myself. She loves you because she loves your son. She loves that piece of your combined hearts. Trust in that. Have faith. Yeah, I don't have that either. She'll teach you. She'll find you. I need to protect her from you. You were never fully yourself. You never let them meet me. It's no wonder you always feel alone. You are a thief. Yeah, so are you. I don't want to be you. I'm coming through no matter what. The more you wear this mask of innocence, the guiltier we both become. I don't want to be a Kenny. You want to make that name mean something? You have that chance. There is a brand new Kenny. I'm scared. What if letting her know about us scares her away? What if it costs me my son? I'm here with you, always. She will be too, but only if she knows all of us. The peace you are giving her isn't enough. It wasn't enough for Lisa. You're going to have to accept me. We have to work together. She has to know. We cannot taint her with our lies anymore. Hey, no. Us. Now get the fuck up. Be a man. There's a little boy out there looking for one. Alright, this is the only lyrical thing I've ever written. 
but it's in another book. I have my books out of order. It's in this guy right here. Um, this was inspired by uh, Vicky Aqua, um, also known as Mama Oladeji in the Cleveland poetry scene. This is Save Us From Ourselves. God save the queen, long live the king. Hail to the chief, the lord of all lies. I dredge the swamp for the bombs bursting in air. Oh, say can you see that justice is blind, that we are all colorblind, when all you can see is the white hot dawn's early light, that might means right. Always fight with the sun at your back and the darkness in your soul. But don't be black. That's worth the bullets whizzing past. A soldier's job is never done, never won. A draft dodger's never run, never won with the multiplicity of our multi-ethnicity, of a nation of fools that elects a derelict jester who taunts our puppet strings, strikes the chords of the lamentations of our hearts, heartless bastards. We no longer hold, just a sinking hole, a pit of despair that stares back at us. Look up, look down, stay down, lock down, look out, here it comes. As above, so below, the devil's in the details that are reduced to black and whites. We are weapons of mass confusion, taking aim, hiding behind his wall, to build a nation of prisoners, too afraid to yell out our battle calls, to seek retribution for our disillusion and clear up the noise pollution, to fall on our knees, to take a knee, because we need. We are a world of truth benders, rule breakers, criminal instigators, unforeseen fornicators, ego masturbators, serial verbal defecators. We are nothing, no one, nowhere, just present. At this moment in history, when we realized we fucked up. Hindsight was blindsided, blinded by the light, speckled with red, white, and bruises, masks of shame, that we were complicit in our own downfall. The fall of man, the blood is on our hands, because we did not stop, because we, when we knew we could, because we thought no meant yes, and that she didn't really mean it, and boys will be boys with their unruly, lethal toys, that cuts knew what was right and left us divided. Yes. <laughs> the boy is starting to get it. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, one, the identity crisis one was five years ago, so I've come a little way in that time. In that, remember I said art? So uh, my art group built a throne of working CRT television sets. And a lot of its philosophy was based around an event called Destructicon, where uh, several of my friends that are here now, we fill my yard with things to break, and we broke it. How very 90s. Yeah, there are um, hundreds of hours of that video on our YouTube page. Um, That's great. The back of one of these. Yeah, I, I hope they can identify our faces like, for future justice. They can actually like, have people come, pay you, to break things there. and then, I no then longer have the property. Yeah, because they do that. I, I no longer own the property for that event. So, but, um, so I started creating out of all that destruction, and that throne had a little guidebook. And it was called the Analog Kingdom. Excellent. Now, most of this is older stuff. Um, there used to be a 10-foot cross. That's a terrible picture. Native TVs in my backyard. That was a predecessor to this throne. The last Destructicon, we burned that down. It did not want to burn. Oh, that sounds like terrible toxic pollution. It was. Exactly that. Oh, bummer. Good lesson, right? <laughs> um, it was in Austinburg with very solid clay ground. So it didn't go anywhere. But, a little Good something. Story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, this is something a little based around the last Destructicon. It's called Broken Hammer. I wore a blood-colored effigy of her, straddled between that bitch's legs, wrapped around my neck while she choked the life out of me. I broke. I wrapped myself in my sins and flaunted them as a badge of survival. From a smoking wedding bouquet, I blew my brains into the ether and let the fumes ooze into my veins. 
filling me with the vitriol of an alcoholic madman, forced sober to reality his whole life. The poison danced and cascaded in the water in a downward feral magnetic spiral of broken promises. My pieces littered the lawn in a prismatic shower. Yeah, my work here was done, and I was going out with the combustion impact of a flare gun hitting five gallons of gas over shattered cinder blocks. I doubled her wager. With an halogen explosion of razor-sharp glass, I bet on her broken promise with an even bigger lie. favorite project. This is called Jigsaw. Um, this is where we cut up everyone else's poems and make new ones, pretend like we're original. <laughs> um, if you're going to the convention Cleveland Concoction, they're actually going to have a workshop there. Yep. I'll be there. So um, we'll have that and we'll have an origami heart panel. That's what we do for Cleveland Pride, origami comic book hearts. <laughs> this one, there'll be a second book coming out real soon. I have stolen lines from a lot of the people here. So I did send emails to you. Yes. yes, you're one of those people, oh, and Josh, and her. Really I make sure I get permission before I publish anything. You're good. Now this one's a little different. This is more in what we tend to define as the patchwork realm, where two different writers kind of come up with things randomly um, that is original content. I'm just trying to find where I put it in this book. There it is. This is by myself and Josh Romig. Somebody take me. You shook me up, then poured out my mind, cooked me till I crystallized, crushed me up, then smoked me. You got high on my experiences, took my stories into your body, loved it. Then the bad trip came crashing in, the heartbreak, the beatings, the suicidal thoughts, made you paranoid, cynical, and distrusting. Every loss peppered with a smile, each warm, glowing moment tainted with the debauchery of the act. You'll pay for all this in rehab, blood and tears diluted with stale coffee and shitty cigarettes. They all taste the same. Go ahead, detoxify. Spit me out. He'll never be rid of this poison. Alright, now. So a lot of that's all old stuff. Um, I am working on the philosophy behind the analog kingdom. Something kind of like a religion. You want to see how I make a jigsaw? See all the taped together pieces? <laughs> Down my entire hallway. So I am literally just going to read you uh, the opening of the sermon in one of this. In the beginning, there was only the word, a word, and then more, which were collected into a story, the story. And from the story came creation, and then came the questions. And the question was man. Who are we? What are we? Why? Who am I? It's a little taste. <laughs> Some good tax status for that church you got going. <laughs> Boy, I probably could. I know how to bullshit people. <laughs> All right, here's just a little uh, excerpt from one of these other little jigsaw type things. This is about an um, observation in Ashtabula. That old brick and mortar lays open, half wrecked, tongue open like a wound pouring out the blood and sweat of a thousand craftsmen, the men whose sons' mothers cried when their sons took to the street. The trail of tears that eventually flooded the river that they used to feed their family, now poisoned by the sludge belted out in Chemical Alley, where the boys work just enough to afford another fix and meet their dealer at that old brick and mortar. Alright, I'm gonna give you guys a homework. How about that? No. Oh, uh, <laughs> 
It's okay. I promise I won't know if you do anything at all. So this is the Blue Collar Lament was my first work. This is called the Blue Collar Lament, The Weary Road to Nowhere. It's been a work in progress for nearly a decade where I just randomly collect bits and pieces of these characters that are sitting around a working class bar on Friday just bitching about their working jobs. So this is my first character who introduces the entire thing. Shit. My life. Mm -hmm. It all distills into a bottle. Cold filtered and served up to me in the CD bar I frequent every Friday. Here, a taste of wasted youth and potential after another soul-crushing week of capitalism worship at the plant. It smells like dirt and broken dreams as I take my usual spot at the bar. But at least they know me here. All of us toasting the abuse of our bodies for the privilege to drink like a man. Like we actually earned that cheap, foul intoxicant. Here, we all drink of the same desperation. So the homework, I need more people bitching in that bar. <laughs> Eventually, I would like that to be a, a it is a non-existent bar. Some working class bar. Um, eventually, I'd like that to be a play. A working class bar? I yes. Mean, can it be the schlubs that work at law firms that are having like high-end wines? Can be. With yes, the, with the creepy yes. attorneys It can that be anybody. If you work for a living and you want to bitch about it, do that. Yeah. I got some memories. You want to go to a bar and get They're 30 years old. Um, no, I grew up in Madison, so uh, I spent most of my childhood working in all those bars. And where it's it's an old Madison joke that you can. Uh, what do you like this? Here, the beer on the bar. Well, yeah. that, all the kids I went to school You're with, like, I knew their I'm grandparents gonna... very, very drunk. Um, but uh, Madison's joke is that you can stumble out of a bar on Saturday morning and follow into a church on Sunday morning. Or fall, first you trip over a kid. Yep. And then 